30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. It's time to assemble. That's right. It is another episode, and we are excited to be here, excited to be talking. I am your host with the most. Hotter than French toast, coming at you coast to coast. The most electrifying man on the pod waves today, your Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the Nerdy South. Tyler Mack, and of course, joined by my co-host. He is the juicy one, ladies and gentlemen. He is the doctor of nerdonomics. He is the variant of Mr. Stephen A. Burroughs, attorney at law. He is the, sometimes he's the Steve to my Tony. Sometimes he's the Tony to my Steve. It just depends on the day. So, the juice is loose. He's freshly squeezed. Dr. Davis. I would say what's up, Doc, but I know what's up. You, you, <laughs> no offense. You look like garbage. Well, you are, then, so let me, let me, you look I, like you feel like garbage. Oh, nice save. Well, then, you know what? I must look better than I feel. That's a positive. Because um, I don't feel great. I got to say, my, my perpetual good fortune and good luck, it astounds me, or it never ceases to amaze me, I should say, actually. Uh, after over two years mm-hmm. of a pandemic, dodging it myself, you got it twice. Mm-hmm. Everyone I know has had it once, twice, sometimes three times. Lady. I have avoided yeah, my wife even had it. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I have finally joined the ranks of the the vid, <laughs> the COVID. You caught the, the vid. I did. I caught. It, I caught it good. And what's even better is, you know, as many of, of you know out there, I talk about it a lot. I teach theater. We just happened to have a show opening this week, so why wouldn't I finally catch? Uh, the coronavirus, uh, why wouldn't it be right now? Of course it's right now. So 
I've been spending my days down here in the fortress on my futon with my computer plugged into my TV. And I'm fortunate to have very smart, very helpful uh, colleagues at my school who've hooked me up and I can speak to my kiddos through the loudspeakers on my headset here, see what they're doing on the, on the stage from the TV here. Oh, it's great. So I've been able to run things as best as I can from here. And with the help of my, like I said, my amazing, wonderful coworkers, the show must go on, right? Yeah. That's that's the adage that we all all of us thespians live uh, by. You got to learn to adapt. And I don't know, maybe it's because I I, I chose to do the show uh, on the week of Friday the 13th. Maybe it's because just a couple weeks ago, I taught them about the Scottish play. If you know, you know. And uh, some of them might have been trying to have some fun with it after I said, listen, don't test it. I've seen things happen. Don't screw with the Scottish play. It is some big, bad mojo. It's like some dark god awaiting a sacrifice so that it may once more cross over from the great beyond to be revenged upon the realms of men. Hell hath no fury like the Scottish scorned. I'm glad that you still remember your lines. (laughs) That was a good time to pull that one out of the hat. It was. But hey, you know what? The show's going to go on. I'm alive. and. Not well, but I will be yeah. well in a few days. Yeah, in a few days. W- what what do I have to complain about? Exactly. On. You're on top, and uh, you're up top, and you're breathing still. But kinda, but kinda. You know. Um, <laughs> but I think your kids will be fine, man. Uh, you know, if I know you, you've you've raised them up in the short time that you've had them right, and I'm sure the show will go just fine. And this is a lesson for them as well. This is their first really big lesson on the show must go on and if i may say so myself you and i as directors are very similar in i just learned in the professional theater world and have only seen it once in the or twice in the community theater world that directors don't stay for every show right typically yeah, I typically do because uh, part of me feels like I, there needs to be a presence there. Support. Support. Yeah. Um, but part of me gets it. I mean, in the professional world, they're at opening night and then they're just it's theirs. They're probably usually off to their next project. But right. um, but I think this will this will teach them that, you know, you as I'm sure you've said, you know, you're going you've told them you're going to get to a point where it's not my show anymore. Yeah. You know, I can't hold your hand while you're on stage. So, right. And they're at that point and they're learning it difficult in a difficult manner, but they'll learn that the show must go on and they're learning it now, as opposed to say, you know, in a college show or, or you know, they'll get this moment now while they're high schoolers and they'll learn from it now. So that's a good thing. It's a positive yeah. It's a positive outlook, but despite that, you know, you seem like you, you know, in the text, you, you're seeming, how do I word this? You seem like you're in better spirits in text than I expected you to be. What, what else can I do? Exactly. You know, how else there's life is what you make of it. Right. And what's that old saying about, 
uh, 10% what happens and 90% how you react to it yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at? I got, yeah. I got COVID brain right now. So that that's this my, out. Fun. it's how fun. I react to it. And I taught them the whole thing about what do we say during tech week? Tech is fun. Tech, tech is, is fun. fun. And I taught them that old thing about when you have a rough tech week, you have a great show. Great show. Yeah. That tends to always happen. The magic happens. It all comes together getting an audience there and having that energy going, everybody's yeah. on their toes and everything just happens. It's part of the yeah. magic, man. It's part yeah. of why we, why we love it. So it'll be great. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be great. We'll break legs to your cast and crew. Um, uh, you've got the the support of the nerds and uh, y'all are going to do great. You've got a great teacher, so you'll be fine. Uh, so work has been, I'm telling you, man, it is the calm before the storm. These three weeks between Beginning of May, which is when technically spring break season ends over the country, to school letting out is some of the deadest and slowest, monotonous stuff ever. And I don't want to complain because I know the dam is about to release, no pun intended, because we are right down the road from Douglas Dam. Um, and it's going to be hell for six months. But in our, in our time... Uh, we have had many great conversations. Uh, I've got the store. I'm on an eight to three schedule right now because I'm balancing, you know, the show and time to get some stuff done at home in between work and rehearsal and uh, all that fun stuff. And I'm there an entire hour before our doors even unlock sweeping and mopping the music's on i'm stocking i'm doing you know i'm uninterrupted by guests and you know tons of employees so i love it and i'm gone by three or four if time allots i'll stay for uh, till four o'clock but most of the time it doesn't they're dead right now but they're about to pick up and it's gonna it's gonna be fun it's always fun it's fast-paced it makes time go by working in this industry that i have in the last year has truly made me believe time is a construct because when work is so busy, I feel like I'm there for an hour, but I'm there for eight. That's when work my, is so slow. Yeah. I feel like I'm there for an entire day. That's why my days fly by. Yeah, exactly. And weekends, man, like I have weekends off right now. Yeah, it's, it's eight to three or four Monday through Friday right now for most this month and most of next month. And <laughs> It's like weekends fly by because they're your day off. Right. You're doing what, you know, and typically I've also learned that like what's odd is like I've been playing through Skyrim again for some reason. I just oh, pick Lord. it up every now and then. And uh, I've been playing through it again. And what feels like I'm just going to sit down and play a few missions for an hour. I'll blink and it's four hours later. Oh, man. And I'm like, I can't, I can't tell you the, the last time I played video games for four hours straight. I'm like, what the heck? Where'd all my time go? I did two missions. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? The time's a construct. It's ridiculous. But, you know, it's about to pick up summer. We're opening the pool this weekend. Ooh. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Sorry, um, I'm missing it. It's quite all right. I um, promised your dad I would help. Well, this weekend, he'll have a lot of help. We'll all be here. He'll have the full force of the family. Well, I'll and, just stay here and and save my COVID uh, for myself. Yes, 
and then I'll just enjoy the pool later when all the work is done. Yeah. But yeah, man, uh, a lot's happened uh, since we last recorded, which was uh, a fantastic uh, episode. I thoroughly enjoyed talking Star Wars. Um, I got some some pretty nice feedback from some people who listen uh, at work and uh, in the theater world and other Star Wars fans. Um, Right. Got a lot of great feedback about the fact that we took the time to dig into some kyber crystal lore right. i was like that's what we wanted to do that's what we want and i've learned that so much of this canon and legend stuff those sometimes those lines are really blurred because they've sort of borrowed and, and melded Molded. like yeah. yeah that things have sort of blended together and i can't keep track sometimes of like what's canon and what's not what's part of the legends yeah, um, and what the colors mean and everything. So uh, we did our best with it and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was great. uh, And I loved, especially just talking about like our favorite duels and our favorite sabers and and all that stuff. And we both are big Count Dooku fans. apparently. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, With that comes the rumor uh, mill, a churning of uh, possible uh, in the Kenobi series, possible some, uh, fallen order canon stuff showing Ooh, up. maybe that, some characters maybe oh some yeah mentions of canonizing the game with the show i yeah. was like dude mentioning will get me hyped but if any of the characters from the game show up yeah i'll mark out like yeah. crazy i think uh there's no reason not to bring that into the the tv world or the movie world or whatever because that game was so popular and so good what a great story uh what a really impressive game altogether yeah Um, it really was and everybody loves what's the kid's name cal kestis cameron yeah cameron monahan he's great everybody loves him bring him in absolutely do it do it now make the millions and thank us later for pointing you in this direction (laughs) We do that a lot. It's yeah, what we do. It's what we do. So let's talk some nerdly news. A lot's happened in the last week or so. Piggybacking off of some of the Netflix news we talked about last episode, the lawsuit that they are going through right now, Netflix is being sued by its own shareholders over the subscription slump. <laughs> um, That's what you get. Yeah. The lawsuit alleges Netflix violated U.S. security laws by making materially false and or misleading statements to its shareholders and failed to disclose material adverse facts about the company's business operations and prospects. Mm, That's a no-no in the corporate Mm -hmm. world. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's a terminology, uh, a lot of words to say uh, fraudulent numbers pretty much. (laughs) oh things are great they're fine come Uh, on netflix do better do better uh especially if you're going to increase our prices do better yeah Uh, i haven't decided how long i'm going to stick around for that so we'll see stranger things and witcher keeps me other than that like if those two were to end i would have no need for netflix i went on there the other day just to kind of browse around because i hardly ever use it just to see what was there and I was just like, eh, nothing mm-hmm. appeals to me. Yeah. So some exciting news for Star Wars Day. Hasbro is re-releasing the very first line of Star Wars toys. I must have them. 
reviving the classic notoriously janky Kenner Star Wars action figures of the 1970s by releasing the retro collection multi-pack of characters inspired by the original toy line for A New Hope. I wonder if they're going to do it the same way and send you a box first and then you get the the toys later. They should. They'll go in. That's what they should do. Just sort of as like a, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Here's the experience that the uh, that the veteran nerds had, kids. Now it's your turn. This is what it was like when we were like collecting and, and nerding and walking up hill hill to school in the snow both ways. That'd be like me and Rev uh, ordering a pop and they send us a box and we're just like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so moving forward, uh, finally, why it's just happening in 2022, I have no idea. But the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is finally joining the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Huh. Well, that rightfully so. Too long. Can I tell you what I'm most surprised about? What? I'm always up front about this, okay? I'm about to lose some nerd points, probably. It's okay. I can afford it. I didn't realize that there was a World's Video Game Hall of Fame, or whatever you said. Really? No, I didn't have a clue. This is the first I'm hearing of this. What other titles are in said Hall of Fame? Well, some finalists of this year's uh, were Assassin's Creed. Candy Crush Saga, uh, Minesweeper, NBA Jam. Oh, this one's going back. Parappa the Rapper, Resident Evil, Rogue, and Words with Friends. None of those made the cut, but Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time came out on top. How is Minesweeper not in this Hall of Fame? Dude, I don't know who these judges are, but (laughs) some of these titles that still aren't in, I'm like, it transcended a generation. It Assassin's Creed an era. Minesweeper was yeah. like one of the first games we had. Exactly. Yeah. On a computer. Like uh, so, like what's in there? Probably like Galaga and Super Mario Brothers and like Duck Hunt and Duck stuff Hunter. like that. Yeah. Mortal Kombat, maybe it should be. Yeah. Anything that's been like culturally relevant should be in the Hall of Fame, right? Exactly. Yeah. As absolutely it should. This one I had to talk about. It's intriguing. So NASA may be sending nudes into space (laughs) seeking to contact aliens. NASA has developed a binary coded message to transmit to extraterrestrial intelligences, which could, I mean, the fact that they're doing it, isn't that their admission by default? (laughs) I'm just saying. Oh, I don't know. This could include info on Earth's composition, basic math, and they have created digitized nude images of the human form next to our DNA structure. Now, this isn't going vidya. Uh, I'll just show that to Juice. Are right we there. Uh, right oh. there? <laughs> That's their digitized nudes. They are semi-blurred. Okay. When you put it like that, it's a lot different than what I was imagining up front, which maybe I just need to get my mind out of the gutter. But it, when you say the word nudes, the connotation is like, you know, like, hey, did you see? I could, they yeah. sent me some nudes, you know? Yeah. 
So I was assuming it would be something very sexual in nature. I but, picture uh, the aliens, not. though, like getting the, the digitized message and being like, uh, or I they're probably like, we already know what y'all look like. We got the internet. We've been there for years. I don't know why we, you're sending us. We got this. three of you all in cages right over here in this, this room. <laughs> I think Earth is drunk. Why do you say that, bleep? They're sending me nudes. Oh, yeah, they do that from time to time. <laughs> I think that's interesting. I think the subtlety in that news is the fact that they're doing it is, in my mind, a hint of admission that they exist. Or just hope. Hope, yeah. Uh, so moving forward, Batman, unburied, now available on Spotify, has dethroned the very polarizing Joe Rogan on Spotify. At the, as the number it, but one, I'm, I'm applauding. Yeah, it's the number one podcast. It is about a serial killer terrorizing Gotham City, but Batman isn't coming to the rescue. In fact, Bruce Wayne has no memory of being the Cape Crusader at all. Oh, no. But instead is a forensic pathologist working in the bowels of Gotham Hospital. Desperate for help, Barbara Gordon seeks assistance from Gotham's second smartest detective, the Riddler. Okay, so there's basically no Batman? No Batman. So it's a Batman story with no Batman. He's Bruce Wayne, who has, I guess, amnesia. How do you feel about that? I think it'll be intriguing. I think it's something we've never gotten. Well, that's for sure. Must be good if they're beating old Joe. Yeah. Old old Joey Rogan. Well, good for them. Uh, Also, some other DC news. Uh, The world is still remembering uh, mourning the loss of Neil Adams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was hated to hear that. Man, he's responsible for... Uh, for so so much he was a huge part of like securing uh like creators rights in Mm -hmm. comics and if you know the story of the guys who created superman uh joe schuster and what's the other guy's name uh jerry siegel siegel does that sound right yeah siegel and schuster like they were broke they had nothing and they got no credit for their work on Superman and creating it. So he was a huge advocate for securing that stuff for the artist. And I think he was a big Batman artist and like Green Green Lantern Lantern. and stuff like that. So, oh yeah. Thank you for everything, Neil Adams. And Uh, he created some of the best stories that uh, John Stewart and Ra's al Ghul were both involved in for both Green Lantern and Batman uh it, it's it's truly a huge loss x-men yeah i mean yep. just crossing the 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 multiverse of of heroes uh that we've gotten uh neil adams is is pretty much the godfather for people like uh grant today um yeah. and even uh snyder and all them he's pretty much the godfather for them so huge loss uh thoughts go out to his friends and family and the comic book world i'm moving forward not sure how i feel about this one because this one's going to affect my pocket gotham knights has now been moved to exclusively released on new gen systems yeah get used to it because i think that's about to be the way of it these games to buy a freaking new system yeah well a, a ps5 is on my wish list you know it's in my plans i don't know when it'll happen but uh 
this just sort of confirms it. And this was this was uh, one of the main reasons that I needed Xbox One was because of uh, Batman Arkham Knight. Yeah. Wasn't going to be on uh, 360 or PS3 or whatever. So, yeah. I, I, I'm in. Absolutely. I mean, I guess it's time. I mean, I the only the last Sony thing I I, I still have a PS4. Uh, I, I, sorry, my my bond. a PS3. I have a PS3, so right. I didn't even get the PS4, uh, and I still have an Xbox One. So I just think it's insane that that I feel like I just got my Xbox One like last year. Is what it feels like. Oh, it's but it's been, it's been... Four or five. Well, the system came out in like 2013, 14. Yeah. So it's about that time. Gosh. Oh, but it looks good, though. The game looks great. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they're going to do this uh, super big, like uh, a super edition package or whatever that has a statue like Nightwing and Batgirl and all them on it. Oh, looks nice. But Tempting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on it. I'm going to pass on it. It's hard might, for me. That might I love. Tempting for me. I I'm love right. collectibles and statues and toys and stuff. But I'm gonna yeah. let that one go. I'm not. I'm not. But it looks really that. cool. So this last little bit of news is going to uh, transition us to our first topic of today, uh, and it's going to be about the news is going to be about the box office, and then obviously we're going to then move into the multiverse of madness. So Doctor Strange had one of the biggest opening days of all time. Earning more than $90 million on Friday, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was on track to earn anywhere from $185 to $200 million during its opening weekend. The film on Friday also had the seventh biggest opening of all time. So it's pretty much the Multiverse of Millions at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So it opened to $185 million weekend, which is huge. Um, not only is it the highest debut of the year, it's more than overall the gross of any other weekend this year, meaning it made more money this past weekend than every other movie combined had made on any other weekend. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a stat and a half to claim. Um, the hype was certainly big going in. So it was surprised. Not surprised at all. So in descending order, our box office after this past weekend is starting with number 10, Father Stew, Mark Wahlberg, some movie called Memory, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nick Cage, The Lost City, The Northman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which apparently really successfully does the multiverse as well. Uh, Number four, Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number three, The Bad Guys at number two, and Multiverse of Madness at number one. That's uh, that's intriguing. What was that again? What was that list? That was the top 10 box office of this past weekend. Oh, okay. Of this weekend. I thought you were saying of the year, and I was like... What? No, where's no. Where's Batman? Where's and I haven't even heard of like six of these movies. What yeah, is this? This was this past weekend. Speaking of multiverse, I feel like I'm in one right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes a lot more sense. Speaking of Doctor Strange, 
I have a little blurb here, courtesy of IGN. Now that the Marvel movie multiverse, oh, what alliteration, has been unlocked, we can expect to see incursions play a massive role in the many MCU stories to come. With that in mind, it's a good idea to brush up on the history of incursions at Marvel Comics and why this reveal could be the next step in setting up a Secret Wars movie. Now, we know we're getting a Secret Invasion show. Right. The Marvel multiverse consists of many thousands of parallel universes, all coexisting in cosmic harmony, but never directly interacting with one another. Or at least, that's how it's supposed to work. Incursions happen when the fabric of one universe is breached by another, usually centered around two parallel versions of Earth. When a breach is formed, a chain reaction begins that will ultimately destroy both universes. There are ways of stopping incursions, but it's never easy and rarely without an enormous cost. One of the only surefire solutions is to destroy one of the two Earths, sacrificing billions of lives so that trillions more can live. The first time the Avengers encountered an incursion, Captain America was able to use the Infinity Gauntlet to force the invading Earth back to its universe. In the end, the incursions increased to the point that only two universes are left standing, the regular Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe. That is where 2015's Secret Wars storyline began, chronicling the final chapter in Hickman's Grand Avengers saga. Secret Wars is about all about what happens when Doom crowns himself God Emperor of his new world and how Marvel's heroes make sense of what happened and seek a way to restore everything they lost. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is the first MCU movie to feature incursions, but it likely will not be the last. Oh, definitely. Incursions. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This idea of one universe going at war against another universe was sort of touched on in the Loki show when Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Kang, when Kang was like, you know, telling his story. Um, So, yeah, we're definitely getting there to that point. Absolutely. Uh, I think this, uh, especially the introduction of, and again, we've upheld the, the embargo. So there are spoilers ahead. So if you have not seen it or if you don't want to be spoiled, stop right here and or fast forward to our Avengers conversation and, and part two of this episode. Just the introduction alone of Clea in the end, in the post credit scene, played by Charlize right. Theron. It says a lot, especially since the door she opened, she too can do somewhat like what America can do, just jump into another universe if you notice, that world looked a lot like Dormammu's. It was world, definitely, yeah. So either they're going to have to seek Dormammu for help, or something takes place, or there's somebody else out there. Who knows? Quite possibly. Um, yeah, and Clea is like a huge deal with Doctor Strange. We didn't really touch on her at, at all when we talked about Doctor Strange uh, previously. Because uh, I just haven't had a ton of experience with her, but I know that she's a big part of his story, and I think she's like a love interest and everything. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. The big thing that comes out of this, the big difference that we are currently leaning towards that the comics didn't is in the comics, Kang played a minor role, but we have Kang 
moving forward is a pretty major role and will oh, probably be heavily involved in this multiversal story arc for the next couple of phases because i mean i would imagine you need through phase five maybe six to finish up multiverse stories right so i would say buckle up to most people because it looks like that's the direction we're heading and it's going to be a wild ride for the multiversal incursion type storyline kang all that stuff we could get doom's introduction we could even get like a nihilus or nightmare or stuff like that so there's so many opportunities moving forward but at the same time i've got to say how wild can you get before because the way i i worded it to to someone at work is there is marvel comic fans there is greater marvel fans and then there's mcu fans right so how far do you go before and this is no disrespect to anybody basic mcu fans start to lose grasp yeah when are you surpassing that general audience um, level of you know patience with keeping up with all these different versions of people and universes and stuff um i don't know i have faith that that the mcu can lay things out in a way that it's easy enough to follow and understand but also so much of the mcu fan base a huge portion of it know their stuff they know these movies inside and out they watch the youtube theories and videos and and whatnot i'm not talking about the comic book and 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 you know mcu fans i'm talking about the people who are just mcu don't know the comics i know so many people like that they're just all in uh to the superior genre because of the mcu so they're keeping up no matter what yeah Uh, Now, if I sat my mother down and and showed her this, she'd have no idea what the heck was going on, (laughs) you know, but she also hasn't seen any of the other MCU things. Yeah. So we went and saw Multiverse of Madness opening weekend. And before we get to our thoughts, for the first time, the lovely Madison decided to send her thoughts. She sent me oh. this this message. She 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 really loves Doctor Strange. Actually, in the first uh, in in the Infinity Saga, Doctor Strange was her number one favorite movie. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's what I said. I think everyone needs to see individual movies for what they are. And she's pulling from something you said moving when we walked out of the theater. Like what Josh said, I didn't leave feeling the way I did after No Way Home, because that was not the director's goal for this film. I liked more dark, creepy twists, but that's what she's into. We've got we got to see the severity of Wanda's grief. And I can't say that if I was in her shoes, I'd blame her for what she tried to do. Not that it was right. I think I think broadening the character range was smart and she did it really well. We knew she was capable because of how powerful she is, but I didn't know we'd ever see her obliterate people. But I'm kind of glad we did. Dr. Strange and the variants were well done. I was immediately fearful of Zombie Strange, but I thought it was really well done because that could have easily put a wet blanket on the movie if it was cheesy or poorly executed. (laughs) Wong, I love Wong. I'm glad he got to be our hero at the end. I love the Christine moments. It brought some lighthearted moments to break up the intensity. The Illuminati, rest in peace, 
Introducing them was a highlight. Mic drop, I hate that Wanda slaughtered them in a matter of minutes. I'm not going to lie, America was a little weak. I didn't love her or really root for her for some reason. I think it was extremely well done because I'm on the side of the movie viewers who have a base knowledge of Marvel, but don't know the ins and outs, comic book stories, backstories, other worlds they may bring in, etc. The writers made it very easy for me to keep up in a concept that could easily confuse the heck out of someone. I also commend them for how they introduced the multiverse up to this point, because thanks to the shows and previous movies that slowly eased us into the idea of the multiverse, it made complete sense. Without that, I think the idea would have been way too much at once. They keep the overall plot very cohesive from movie to movie, and I love that. Also love the Dreamwalker concept. The octopus eyeball fight was reminiscent of a mix of when Coco LaBouche was terrorizing Paris and the giant reptar and rugrats in Paris mixed with the Incredibles fighting the Omnidroids in the jungle in the first movie. Don't ask me where I got that from. So thank you, Maddie. It kind of also reminded me of uh, the, the big battle at the end of Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. With Starro. I love getting her opinions on things because as she honestly says, I have a base knowledge. Yeah. I'm not going in like a huge percentage of the audiences are going in. For her to say, I understood it. I accept it because they've done that, well. That was great, Maddie. Thank you. Uh, I agree with just about everything she said. I felt the same about America. I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I loved the aspect of oh, I know who America is, and yay, we get to see America. But yeah, you're not really invested. I had a little trouble with Wanda ending uh, WandaVision. It was like resolved. She was okay. Putting everything right. I'm not the bad guy. And then so quickly, it's I'm Scarlet Witch. I had a little trouble with that and I've, I've kind of justified it with myself when remembering that post credit scene in one division, when she's doing her thing, reading the, the book the, and the dark hole and the astral plane. And she hears that, that hint of her son's voices in another dimension. Oh, okay. So here's another opportunity. My boys need me or whatever the case may be. So they did set it up that way. But I just wish that the show, the story of WandaVision hadn't ended with such a resolution in the end. I wish that it hadn't been like that and that yeah. they had left it a little more like that ending that's in the post credits. Why couldn't we have more of a hint of that at the end of the regular part of the story? Yeah, I get that. You know what I mean? And I understand that because at the end of the day, yes, post credits. Um, that well, we nut, it's just like, that what we, was... we nut jobs wait for an extra fifteen minutes to twenty minutes to see. Yeah, are technically part of the story, but yeah, but at the same time, they're post credits. We the story is done. This is just yeah. a little. And it's just like, why have such a nice, like, she's calm, she's cool, she's fine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not the writer. They know better than me, obviously. But that's just, as a viewer, that was my feeling of like, oh, it's hard for me to buy into this, you know? Because it was such a, a beautiful ending. But 
that was just me. But it not like it's not like it made her or broke the movie for me. The first thing I say when when asked is, you know, like I got to fortunately uh, there is a little bit of sword fighting and physicality in Moon Over Buffalo, so TJ has stepped in to do the sword fighting. So I got to see him yesterday at rehearsal and talk to him a little bit, and he was like, "Have you seen it?" <laughs> yeah, I have. And he said one of my favorite Marvel movies that have dropped so far. Um, not surprised by that. And he was like, Raimi was all over it. And I was like, dude, I know yeah. so many Raimi-isms between yeah. things we talked about in our Evil Dead episode back in October, choices he makes with the camera, you know, having an entire scene in focus as opposed to the background out of focus, that's a Raimi thing. Um, like, you know, when America and, and, and Dr. Strange are speaking to one another, normally a normal cinematographer director would be like them in focus, background out of focus. But he has the entire time and thing in focus, which gives you a little bit of edginess because now you're watching people in the background, too. Like, is there something in the background? Am I supposed to be? Well, uh, what's going on? And just the very uh, simple idea of zombies and horror. That's so Sam Raimi. I mean, the uh, hand popping out is straight out of Army of Darkness, yeah. Evil Dead 3. The eye showing first, evil ash, that happens in Army of Darkness. He, it kind of zooms in, you just see the eye, then the hand pops out. St he pulled that straight out of his repertoire. Uh, the, the jumps, the scary Scarlet Witch stuff, I mean. Oh, yeah, her like dragging herself down the hallway, chasing them. That was ooh, crazy. Terrifying. Like. This was the scariest a Marvel movie's ever been. Yeah. And I love, I, I love it. I did too. It. I loved it. It was a different. place for it. It showed yes. us there's a place. There is. Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew that before because we had a little bit of that in the What If series. Yeah. But, but live action obviously is totally different. It totally worked. Uh, I did really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. A lot. A whole lot. And I got to say, like, Maddie was right about the Illuminati introduction was a huge highlight. So like we know we've had a great time. We've had a great experience when we have audible or physical reactions to what we're seeing on the screen. Now, if we don't, it doesn't mean we didn't enjoy it. We didn't have a yeah. good time, but you know what I mean? Like that's huge, right? So like no way home constant, <laughs> right? And it's so hard to top that it's hard oh, yeah. for anything to top that for me you always point out and you're a spider-man guy yes i am um i only had like one or two of those this time around yeah and one of those was john krasinski showing up as reed richards that's I literally like, them saying okay here you go we hear you thank you marvel thank you for that i i think i was the first and uh, the the first like audible reaction of yeah. the theater. I went yeah and then everybody else started like doing the applaud thing after that I couldn't contain it I couldn't help myself <laughs> just, and it was just, just like out of nowhere he just popped up boom there he is I was like whoa yes hey <laughs> and and it was very much a nod because it just he didn't just like walk in he like teleports in from their whatever their thing that one of his them, gadgets one of his gadgets and his back's to you at first, and he turns around, and he looks at us. He looks at the camera, and there's a subtle joke there. Obviously, yeah. if you watch The Office, there's a subtle joke. 
but it's like him going, here I am. I am. I'm here. You got it. His suit looked so good. Uh, yeah. He looks so good. I hope that it's not a one-off and they're just like, he's a variant. Yeah, I'm hearing that that could be the case. That it was just it's, a, he's the variant of I, our Reed Richards and that was a, here you go. I don't envy, if it's not him, I don't envy whoever the guy is that they bring in to play Reed after that. Yeah, but I also saw a lot of people uh, who did like the reviews and stuff saying that they thought he was miscast. They didn't like him in that part. Really? Yeah, I thought Intriguing. he was fine. Um, uh, one thing that I would have, I would say is he already has kids. Yeah, uh, and let's not forget that if anybody, he should have called Franklin for help because Franklin Richards is one of the most powerful beings in the entire Marvel universe. He creates universes for fun. Like we built play with Play-Doh. Like he could have wiped the floor with, with Scarlet Witch might've been like two years old, three years old at this point, but Franklin Richards could have wiped the floor with, with Wanda. He could have, Um, but, but it was great. That'll be, that'll be like a phase six thing. Probably. Yeah. If they get into that. Yeah. Uh, so we got Reed Richards, played by John Krasinski, about 90 plus percent of the Nerdiverse's Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, we got Monica's mom mm-hmm. as Captain Marvel, as if she was on the ship with Marvel and Carol wasn't. Right. So that was cool. It was cool to see Very her back. Cool. She's the one that everybody thought was uh, going to be Tom Cruise. Yes, in the trailer. Yeah. Um, everybody thought it was going to be Superior Iron Man, which the writer and Sam Raimi both came out and said that was an intention all along. It just never took off. It was uh, an idea. It was on paper. It was an intention. It was a, this is what we want. And it just never took off up the ladder. Somebody Tommy just, Cruise was going to do it? And that's what they wanted. No. Oh. Ramey and Riders wanted Superior Iron Man, played by Tom Cruise, but it just never took off with the higher ups. Oh, I think it would be amazing. Oh, it would have been amazing. But here's what I here's here's my my pitch. Me and Brian were talking about this today. In their actions alone against Johnny Depp, before before you know, guilty in some businesses, and you've you've defended the thought that you know they're publicly traded, their kids, blah blah blah. Yeah, they got rid of him before anything was ever proven right and currently they're wiping the floor with amber heard and she, you know so with that being the mentality tom cruise has a lot of stuff that follows him too do you think that disney was just like ah you know the there's controversy the con- oh yeah, yeah of course that's the right, scientology that's right. the the random outbursts craziness from time to time <laughs> do we want that but at the end of the day we're theater people people are weird you I know actors know. are weird and odd and things follow them i'm certainly not someone who sits and watches entertainment tonight every day and and knows the public opinion of every uh, yeah. movie star out there but i don't think anybody would look at tom cruise as a liability i mean he's a huge star yeah I think it would have been great. Regardless of uh, 
his religious beliefs or lack yeah. thereof. And, you know, if he wants to jump up and down on Ellen's couch about being in love with somebody or whatever, go for it. That's it's fine. Yeah. Um, so the next uh, we got was Mordo. As if Doctor Strange, who in their universe went to the dark side and failed. Now, in the end, he did the right thing and helped them beat Thanos. But they sacrificed him. Right. They killed him for his crimes. Um, And Mordo took over as Sorcerer Supreme. So he's in the Illuminati. Uh, Moving, then we got Black Bolt. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the Black Bolt from yes. the failed Inhumans show. Yes. Um, and if you don't know much about Black Bolt, one of his abilities is he can he doesn't speak um, because if he speaks, he will just... A whisper just, could level a mountain. Yes, a whisper could level a mountain. And yes. he's on the council, as is Captain Carter. A live action Captain Carter from What If that we got. Uh, exciting. Got some vocal, you know, reactions from some of the crowds who yeah. obviously saw What If and are obviously Agent Carter fans. Um, and then, of course, Professor Charles Xavier from our animated universe of the X-Men, one of the greatest animated shows to come out of comic book television. That that variant of Xavier, the yellow wheelchair, think, the theme played when he came out. Do you think he was for sure meant to be the animated version, like the same one? Because I've seen the yellow chair in several comic versions as well. So it may not be necessary. I, mean, I think the the the, they did music, the music alone is they did the was, little motif, yeah. Was key. I think you know and and when we finally do this this music episode that we want to do so much, um that's one thing we'll probably talk about is motifs and music cues are not on accident. Of course. Ever. And that's our Illuminati. We, we got the, the, the mic drop of the Illuminati, uh, who they were, what variants they were. It was very exciting. Very awesome. Uh, a little too cocky. Uh, we'll, we can deal with your witch. Don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, she was. Okay. She was little. little okay, Photon. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Then we get a little six to eight minute fight scene with the Illuminati and the Scarlet Witch in which she decimates the living daylights out of them. Every one of them. She basically pulls an, uh, an Agent Smith on Neo and makes Black Bolt's mouth disappear, which causes him to freak out and speak and blow his own, own brains out. Right. She turns Reed Richards into spaghetti <laughs> and kills him. She crushed uh, Captain Marvel. Crushed Captain Marvel. Split Agent Carter and or Captain Carter in half with her own oh, shield. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, split her in half. Ooh, brutal fatality. The only one of the Illuminati that did not die was Mordo. Young Xavier got his neck snapped. Xavier got his neck snapped while he was infiltrating Phoenix. Phoenixes. <laughs> uh, yet again, a better Dark Phoenix moment with Xavier than either of the dark phoenix movies we got where he infiltrated wanda's mind and spoke to the real wanda who was 
being trapped under a bunker that looked very similar to the bunker she was in and had the experiments ran on her with a WandaVision TV playing beside it. So she's trapped within the mind of the Scarlet Witch, very much a la Jean Grey and the Phoenix. And then while he's speaking to her, trying to get her out of the bunker, the red cloud shows up and the most terrifying version of Scarlet Witch quickly reaches out and snaps this Sir Patrick Stewart. How dare you snap the neck of a knighted man? A treasure. A treasure. But the stakes were raised at that moment. That's something that we always look for. I mean, like you always say, you always make a comparison to the WWE. Are the stakes high? You built that bad guy. And that raised the stakes. She decimated the highest, I guess, the hierarchy of that universe. What's the fallout going to be in that universe? Will that come into play? And what will the repercussions be for her after just slaughtering all these important people? So she makes the sacrifice in the end, but she's not dead. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That's true. Yeah, surely not. Surely if she was dying for real, she'd have a... It, yeah, she... she I mean, it was closes... a big moment, but quote-unquote closes the dark hold finally across all, all the multiverse so that every dark hold is closed by destroying the temple that the dark hold was created and brings the whole thing down on her if you don't witness them take their final breath it ain't over yeah exactly almost always yeah so sometimes even then it's not that's true especially in comics yeah so that was that was massive wong had a lot of great moments in this yeah, uh, a lot of heroic moments, a lot of great sorcerer. Like you, there were a couple times where you're like, "Wow, they're going to kill him." Sometimes I take Wong for granted, but yeah, he's he's definitely uh, mm-hmm. a great character. Absolutely, absolutely. And he was one of my favorite parts of uh, Shang Chi too. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, also, let's not forget all of Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, right, played. Four variations of himself. He played well, Doctor Strange. He played yeah. Sinister Strange. He played Defender Strange. Then he played Zombie Defender Strange, yeah. being possessed by Our Strange. <laughs> yeah. So, bravo. No big Performance deal. of the year. I'm telling you. Um, great stuff. Uh, anything Benedict does, I always try to watch because I'm always a fan of, of his, his process seeing him bring a character to life, whether it's Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch can do anything. I mean, heck, he even brings life and voicing a dragon in The Hobbit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fantastic. Questions that I have coming out of it. One, we discussed in our group chat today. We didn't really discuss it much. I posed the query to you and Logan and didn't really get an answer. Got a, oh, yeah. And then (laughs) silence from Logan. Kind of like a, hmm. Um, so in Far From Home, Quentin Beck, who is posing as a multiverse, multiversal soldier, um, says that I'm from, or Fury says he's from our world, but not our universe. So the multiverse is real? Yes. I'm from Earth, designated blah, blah, blah. Yours is 616. So the movie moves on, and we find out that Quentin Beck is lying. Yes. He's actually from our Earth, and he worked for Tony Stark. So how 
Did he know that there were multiverses and that ours was deemed 616? Because it is brought back in Multiverse of Madness. The Christine of 238 says, we have designated yours 616. How did Quentin Beck know that? Uh coincidence of the multiverse perhaps okay anything is possible in the multiverse and it just reflects that like he was guessing and this is a universe where quentin beck can guess that this universe is called this 616 and it actually is in another universe i don't know man i don't think that mcu and i'm about to quote you i don't think they do things on accident right so either quentin beck was far more up to speed on things than we got in Far From Home. Or perhaps he already knew of that stuff. The possibility of multiverses. He did work for Stark. And he is a brilliant man. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you stumped me on that one. Because I don't think it's a plot hole. Surely to God. We've not gotten a plot hole in the MCU. <laughs> no, I surely not. Unless it's just, just like a little. I mean, the six one six thing is common throughout, like in the comics and everything too. Like that's a. Yeah, but I'm saying in the MCU, thing. why does Quentin Beck? No, I, I know. Say it's six one six. How does he know? What was he doing before it, we saw him? A part of me really does just want to say it's a coincidence. It was just like a little nod, like a little, uh uh-huh, you know, here you go. But again, they're smart about that stuff. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe down the road, it'll get answered. I don't have an answer for that. one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, And as exciting as it was, as thrilling as it was, as fun as it was, as great as it was. Did you really think that we sat there for two and a half hours? The times that I had to go pee, yes. Um, <laughs> otherwise, no. I wanted more. I mean, I'll see it again once I'm healthy. But I wanted and, and more. So. I wanted more variants. I wanted Oh, I see more. what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, I 100% agree. Okay, that's why... Like I walked out saying that, like, oh, you know, I'm it's almost like I'm underwhelmed a little bit. Because it was great. It was spectacular. It was different. It was it was creative. It was fun. It was all the things. And I'd loved it. Flat out loved it. But if you think back to the conversations that we had leading up to it, oh man, it could have more cameos than in-game. It could be, you know, uh, the Spider-Man movie could be the tip of the iceberg. We were sort of expecting we would get some X-Men cameos. You know, we'd get some Hugh Jackman. Maybe possibly we'd get like an Ian McKellen. Or uh, a Ghost Rider. Or, or some Deadpool. Chris if you think about Evans it. showing up as Human Torch, you know. Oh, yeah, exactly. But if you think about it, we really only got two Two universes? Yeah, we really only got two universes. Well, really one alternate one, just the the one where the Illuminati was, right? Well, we got Sinister Strangers. We got also uh, Wanda's a little bit too. So that's true. But yeah, there could have been a lot more, I thought. And I 
felt like that was the expectation for, yeah. you know, so I don't know what the uh, response has been to that part of it. Are people underwhelmed? Are they? Maybe we still are on the tip of the iceberg. That's the thing is this could be a long game. And it's also true that you can't always have everything you want. You know, I say that nobody's too good for the Disney money. That may not be true. Hugh Jackman might be like, you know, I really think I'm done with this. Yeah, I said I was done. So you never know. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, that was probably my only negative leaving it and having a few days to think about it is I want more. Like I wanted more. I I was hoping for more. I could have, I could have, but then I started to think kind of what Maddie said is I, we could have handled far more, but could the, the base, you know, moviegoer handle more in one movie. Even if it were brief things like traveling between universes we see like they did a little bit where we saw like a cartoony version of them yeah like one where we can see deadpool walking around or there was one where they were like in a comic book or the expansion or yeah or there was a noir one too like a black and white noir there was a paint like it was still being made yeah it was a painted universe uh that whole sequence was really cool, though. It was really awesome. Um, I, I need to see it again a couple more times to really focus heavily. Uh, it's not going to change how I feel, like, excitement-wise. I really enjoyed it. But I would like to be able to focus more. Should Now, I typically don't like to do this. But should we score it on, like, a 1 out of 10? Um, I believe we should. I also think that not just that we should bring back the old score rating that I did for the Batman. So directing. Oh, geez. I'll give that one a 10. Yeah, I would agree. Plot. Wait, what are the other? So we've got directing plot. Acting, score, editing, action, and pace. Okay, for plot, I will do 7.5. I'm about to say, yeah, 7.5 or an 8. Um, yeah. It's not a, you know, a, a 10 plot, but it wasn't terrible. Um, acting. Let's say 9. I would agree. I think there were I, – I, everyone who's already been playing these parts, I think, are honing it in even better every time they're in a movie. One uh, – Elizabeth. Know, Elizabeth just nails it home. Every t- – dude. Every time she does something. I was sort of indifferent to Wanda before WandaVision, and I absolutely fell in love with her uh, in WandaVision. And to me, Elizabeth Olsen is – tops like she deserves all the awards all the recognition all the things because of her work over the past couple years with marvel i felt her haunted sadness Uh uh-huh i felt it like i i couldn't imagine and when those boys were like running away from her and that look she had like they were trying to someone even said what about their mother you know 
she really didn't think about that. Like, yeah. oh, it's it's me. I'll make it work. I understand. And then she gets there and experiences it. And it was like, oh, that's the one thing she's wanted this whole time more than anything. And now that she has it, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, score. Danny Elfman did the music. Uh, which was interesting. Use of like the little motifs and stuff gives it a high ranking for me because they cleverly threw in the one division. They threw in the na 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 na. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I didn't feel like the music was all that memorable. Mm-mm. So I'll say a seven. Yeah, I would agree. Um, editing. Uh. Honestly, I, I don't really know how to judge that. Yeah, because this is um, a highly edited movie. <laughs> uh, I think cuts were fine. I do think that there were some quick cuts in it that were very fast. Okay. Um, so that was a little hard to judge, so let's just scratch editing. Um, action. I'm going to say an eight. Okay. Because I felt like there was not a lot of variation. No, wait, that would be more of a pace thing, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. To me, I feel like a lot of the action was running. Yeah. I like all the fighting and, and all that stuff was great. But like, I'm thinking about quantity and quality, you know? Yeah. Which also makes me think about. That's more of a pacing judgment. Yeah. So the action that we got standing alone, judging it for what it was and not the, how much of yeah. it we had. Yeah. It was really good. So yeah. like, I don't know, like nine, 10. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd probably give it an eight because I felt like we were running more than we were fighting. Uh, and I guess that's, that's true. Know, that's that's true. the, that's, I guess that's the motif they wanted to go for, for running from yeah. the Scarlet Witch fear and fear. Yeah. And yeah. So pace. Okay. That's, I will give like a seven. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that the best storytelling gives you ebb and flow, rise and fall of emotions and energy, and you need a little give, you need a little take, and you need to have a bring me up. And like I said with Batman, it was awesome, and I enjoyed it, but I was just like that whole the tone was consistently just – the Mm. whole time same with this it's constant like chaos which the title suggests that obviously i i understand uh but it was just there was never like much of a let me up or calm down moment it was just constantly on edge and chaos so for me it's a seven i would agree uh i'd give it a seven seven point five um but overall, I would say I would definitely probably give this an eight, eight, eight and a half out of ten. I'll say eight. total eight. Um, I, I loved it. I'll go see it again in the theaters. Uh, I have to take mom to see it uh, anyway. So um, I look forward to seeing it again and maybe we can talk a little bit more down the road. Uh, I know that we've talked a lot about what the multiverse will bring us uh but i really don't think we even have an idea 
So I hope so. I think we are in a position where we have to take it one movie at a time. And I don't think we can speculate really moving forward. I think we're in a position finally where it's like, I don't know what to tell you. I basically gave up the idea of speculating or expecting anything a long time ago. Once we got past like phase two, you know, I thought I had everything figured out. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, a little farther than that. But um, yeah, now I'm just along for the ride. So I try not to get my expectations up too much. I try not to, you know, look into the theories and the expectations or the leaks or the spoilers or anything like that. I try to just go experience it and take away what I take away. Yeah. Which is usually good stuff. Absolutely. So speaking of the phases, we're going to take a quick uh, intermission. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the finale of phase one. And that's the first Avengers movie, because this month we are celebrating 10 years of the Avengers movie. A decade of the Avengers. Hard to believe. Crazy. It's really hard to believe it's been 10 years. So we will get to that when 30 and Nerdy Podcast returns. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015, Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award-winning silky smooth salted caramel whiskey to our King Snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small town vibe, our family and friend owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, and smiling staff. Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice, whether it be Richard's Damn Good Gin or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind the scenes features new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass, and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Join our friends at Encore this spring for Ken Ludwig's hilarious farce, Moon Over Buffalo. With a plethora of pratfalls, slamming doors aplenty, and backstage shenanigans, King Ludwig's Moon Over Buffalo is a fast-paced, hilarious screwball comedy in the old tradition, a throwback farce, a valentine to the stage, and the larger-than-life personalities that inhabit the world of the theater. This production runs May 27th through June the 4th at Encore's new home at Oak Tree Plaza, 1570 Buffalo Trail in Morristown, Tennessee. For tickets to this show or season tickets for the entire year, go to etcplays.org or call 423-813-8331. Encore Theatrical Company believes in the power of the arts, and if you come check out what Encore has to offer, we're certain you will too. Because it's not just theater, it's Encore. 
my little future foundling laws. I'm Emily, also known as Snow, and I'm the GM for The Gate Chronicles. And I'm Quentin, the GM for The Odd Campaign. Collectively, we are the co-founders of Missing Role Player Found, or MERP for short. We are an RPG actual play podcast. Do you like character voices? Do you like drama? Are you titillated by action and adventure? Mystery and intrigue. Are you here for the puns and quips and funny tricks? Are you my mom? If so, head on over to our website, missingroleplayerfound.com. That's missingrollplayerfound.com. And prepare to embark on misadventures of epic proportions. Here's a sneak peek of what's in store. What year is, he is asking it? a fortune teller this? Horses do not, fun fact, like being upside he down. He can do it. I, I think he can do it. This whole time, I thought just using my hand was the way to go, but apparently they had toilet paper. <laughs> Give me the ugly. Oh, I see. So you mean the New Year's Eve hallowed sacred hubbub? <laughs> Quite a lengthy name you have for it, though. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, and we are celebrating 10 years of the Avengers. No, not the comic books, not even the group, but 10 years ago this month, we were, our lives were changed. We thought our lives were changed when we got Iron Man 1. We thought our lives were changed when we got Thor and Captain America, but no, 2012, May, the first crossover. Actually, it was actually May the 4th, too. Ah, I know. But we weren't about to not celebrate Star Wars Day. Oh, yeah. Um, May the 4th, 2012. I remember it fondly. Um, I was living in Sevierville at the time. I was getting out of the murder mystery dinner show and going to the Opry. Like I was that was at that, that point in my life. Um, remembering movies, uh, I don't know if you're like this, but like, um, oh, Avengers. Oh, okay. Okay. So it came out May 4th, 2012. Let's see. I was in Sevierville. I was, that's how I remember things. Affin- Infinity War. I was great. Oh, okay. Let's, uh, let's see. I, I was, I was at Metaview. You know, I was, uh, graduating college. No, no. The year before, no, it was the year after that. Scratch that. But I do know that I saw it no less than four times in the theater because I was that in love with it. And the last time I saw it was actually, well, I, I thought my first date with uh, Becky. I asked her about it since then, and she didn't really give me a good answer. She was like, I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's like, was it a date? Eh, I don't know. I guess. To me, it was definitely a date. So I always have that. Like our first date was the Avengers. Um, mm. I love this movie, man. The Avengers first Avengers movie is probably definitely in my top five for MCU. Yeah. There's something about just like that initial team up, like what Thor is in a movie with Captain America and Iron Man and like everybody's all together. That's really hadn't been done like that before. So that was really, really exciting. We had those great moments. We had so many memorable, uh, we talk about quotability 
tons of that, right? Yeah. RDJ was absolutely killing it with the 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 one-liners yeah. in this movie. Uh, this man is playing Gallagher. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Oh, we did. Such a Joss Whedon thing. So, yeah. Should we dive into some of the numbers? Uh, yeah, let's do numbers before we do. We, we, like, we took our intermission. I'm feeling a little more like myself. The doctor is slowly returning. Uh, and so, you know, numbers. No, numbers aren't really my thing, but factoids are my thing. So uh, I got some factoids about the success of the Avengers uh, in the in the theaters. So at the box office, it brought in one point five billion dollars. Billion dollars. Nice. Uh, this made it the first Marvel film to pass the one billion dollar mark. And at the time in 2012, it became the highest earning comic book movie, beating out The Dark Knight, which you and I also were crazy about. Another one that I saw four times. Uh, and this was also the first Marvel movie to earn 200 million in the United States in three days. The, I think that's been. The numbers don't lie about Dr. Strange. Oh yeah. The numbers don't lie. And I always say that when we're talking about what comic book films have done in the box office, facts and figures don't lie. Um, mm -hmm. This set a tone for us moving forward, a precedent that not just these comic book movies were going to change the box office forever, but the crossovers would change mm -hmm. everything. You know, Avengers, Civil War, um, all the Avenger movies. I mean, anytime you've got multiple of these characters, we knew it was going to be a big smashing hit. I was just thinking actually earlier today that the formula of here's the hero and here's one of the villains associated with that hero. That's what we basically had gotten in Spider-Man movies and, or sorry, in superhero movies, you know, it's, our hero and one of the villains or sometimes two or three of the villains, but hardly ever, never that I can recall had it been here's uh, the Spider-Man movie. Oh, but also, Hey, there's the human torch just as an example, but like yeah. bringing in other characters to team up. And that makes sense because how many times do you read a, a comic book story and it's just that one character? A lot of times they meet up with other yeah. characters, even if it's for a well. conversation. So that you know, just makes it more feel more like a real comic book universe. Yeah. And so it's hard to, to think about there being uh, that formula today yeah. after we've had all these movies of the team ups and the crossovers and stuff like that. Cause even uh, Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, Shang uh, we still had those little cameos like Wong was a part of it. Mm -hmm. So you're still bringing in that, that bigger universe and we're not confined to the one hero at a time. And I love that. Uh, also, we hadn't um, really seen the formula much of here's the villain before the heroes. Because, like, we see Fury and we see Miranda Hill and Coulson and Maria Hawkeye. Hill. Miranda Hill. Maria Hill and Coulson and, yeah, Hawkeye's in his nest. But Loki arrives, boom. Then we get, we need the task force. What are we going to do? Here's the chance for the Avengers initiative to maybe make a comeback. Right. Uh, 
So uh, it's usually like, you know, here's the heroes, da da da. But it's really cool. That's one thing that really hit me first seeing it in the theaters was Loki's arrival on the big screen. The Tesseract opening up. Did you see it in the theaters? I thought that you watched it for the first time on DVD at your Lazy Lane house with me. That wasn't my first time. Oh. I only saw it once in the theaters. Because I I thought that I kept saying, dude, you got to see the Avengers. You got to see the Avengers. I guess not. But that was one of my first memories uh, when rewatching it again was Loki's Tesseract entrance on the big screen. And just getting all these heroes for the first time together on the big screen. Absolutely. We'd never, like you said, we'd never had anything like that in our lives. The most we had ever had was Batman and Robin together. It don't. It almost felt like that was that was just uh, a pipe dream. Like something like that would would never happen. It'd be too good to be true. Maybe too expensive to bring yeah. all those characters together. Because like we were used to like, well, I mean, you know, there's the Fantastic Four movies. But they are a group. There's yeah, the X Men movies, but they are a group. They're a unit title. You know, whatever. Batman and Robin. They are a duo. But these individuals coming together on the big screen changed everything. Mm-hmm. And and then a short ten years later, look at where we are. Phase that's the four. that's the crazy thing about it. Is it's just been 10 years. Right. And look at what all we've been given in 10 years since the first crossover. It's insane. How much is left of phase four at this point? So while you're, while you're uh, looking at that, uh, I see here you have that the original cut was over three hours. Yeah. So I had kind of forgotten. It's been a couple of years for me since I've watched Avengers and it's pretty lengthy as is, but the original cut that Joss Whedon had was over three hours. A lot of it was extra Captain America stuff. Like if you remember the waitress at the end, mm-hmm. that she's like, oh, Captain America saved my life or whatever. That's actually uh, Ashley Johnson. She's a, she's been in several things. Even since she was a kid, she was in Growing Pains. And stuff oh, yeah. Like that. She's uh, the voice to Ellie. That's right. In The Last of Us. Our friend Stephanie is actually friends with her. She's worked on her makeup a few times. Of course she is. Um, but anyway, she had some extra scenes with, with Cap, like, and Stan was in one of them because he leans over and he's like, hey, ask for our number, you putts, or something like that. Wow. So in the three-hour cut, Stan has two cameos. Yes. Wow. Well, I think... Yeah, I think he was still the same guy. Like he's same guy, same but guy. but yeah, yeah, two appearances for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> I am in the Wikipedia rabbit hole here trying to find phase four. According to Wikipedia, because I have finally found the information I was looking for, we are currently in phase four and we got a lot left to go, actually. Um, it turns out so we're like halfway through it. Doctor Strange just came out next to Thor. We got Black Panther. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Guardians 3, the Marvels, Fantastic Four is going to end Phase 4, actually, which makes sense. And then on the shows, we've just finished Moon Knight. So we got Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Guardians, Holiday, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Armor Wars, and a Wakanda series. Lord, we've got more shows than we do movies left. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. 
such great content. They just keep pumping it out. And I'm all about it. So, yeah. So that was the end of phase one of injures. And now here we are, phase four, things picking up. I heard somewhere that they've got plans for like another 10 to 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. They are next month, I believe, meeting at a cabin. Riders mm-hmm. and Feige and other suits and just spending a week at a cabin. I was like, the Smoky Mountains have great cabins. You all should <laughs> come to Gatlinburg. Absolutely, they should. Hey, that's how uh, we, we learned that that was how Ghostbusters was written, right? They all got yeah. together in a cabin and yeah. had a fun time for a yeah. couple of days. And hashed it out. Yeah, exactly. Literally hashed it out. So what I discovered in doing a little bit of research about Avengers was some of the paydays that okay. these folks got. So obviously, these are all big name actors. I don't know how their deals work. They sign contracts for however many movies or whatever. But for the most part, they got like, each one of the main stars got two to three, four million dollars. I think Scarlett Johansson got a little more than most. Uh, with the exception of one Mr. Robert Downey Jr., who got a whopping $50 million for his role as Iron Man. Now, this was also a little further along in his contract. He had already done two Iron Man movies, plus a cameo in The Hulk. And this was only Chris Evans' second appearance as Captain America, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, right? So I guess that probably plays a factor in the pay scale. But that was just a huge difference. I was like, man, if I'm Chris Hemsworth or, you know, somebody, I'm probably going to be like, hey, how do I get that RDJ money? What's the guy I got to do? Stick around. Uh, And you freaking have a second coming because Iron Man saved him. I mean, he had he had just come off all this crap and he was trying to get back into acting. He had did U.S. Marshals. He had done Zodiac. Um, and then Iron Man happened. And it was like you saw this refurbishment of RDJ's career. Thank God, because um, he's great and everything have, he does. Have you ever watched that like three hour movie about Charlie Chaplin that he did? Yes, 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 yes. Chaplin, I think is, it's yeah. called. Who's yeah. Good? I sat down one day and just said, you know what? I teach Charlie Chaplin uh, mm-hmm. to my kids. So I need to, I need to watch this. And it was three hours. I felt well every spent. bit of that. I did feel every bit of that three hours. It was a long, long uh, movie. But at the same time, I wasn't bored. I didn't not enjoy it. You know, Robert Downey Jr. was great. But three hours is a long time for me if it's anything. I think the first three hour movie I ever saw, I saw in theaters with mom. I was young. It was called Conspiracy Theory, and it had Mel Gibson in it, where he was kind of a nut job conspiracist. And he was actually right. The government was, you know, following him and onto him and all that and and into dastardly deeds and all that. But that was my first three hour movie. It was a Mel Gibson conspiracy theory movie. I think it's weird first three-hour movie was probably fellowship of the ring really three hours isn't it or pretty close pretty close so uh do you have do you have some extra tidbits about avengers um yes i actually just rewatched it and uh i noticed something for the first time and uh in noticing that uh there is a little moment like after loki shows up and i guess he's shot in the shoulder mm-hmm. by Hawkeye. 
before he possesses him. And uh, but after he's possessed everybody and they've shot Fury and they think Fury's dead and they get the Tesseract in the suitcase and all that, Loki goes limping off like his leg was hurt for some reason. And like both Hawkeye and this other security guard that he um, possessed, possessed, like grabbed him like, oh, are you OK? Kind of like helped him off. He was just doing this limp. And it was just so unnoticeable, but I just noticed it this last time watching through it yesterday, two days ago now. Um, and I started to think, like, I wonder if he actually hurt himself. And they just kind of kept it because it's like a faraway shot of him limping off okay. and them helping him. So uh, a little bit of extra um, tidbits here. Uh, RDJ kept food hidden all over the lab set <laughs> prompting him to uh and nobody could ever find where his food was so they just let him continue doing it in the movie that's his actual food he's offering and when he was eating it was scripted he wasn't just hungry so he hid food <laughs> snacks all around the lab that wherever he was stationed, he could just grab like a chip or something. That's something I would do. There were very few times that everyone was in town at once, but on one night when they were, Chris Evans sent them all a text reading a symbol, prompting a night out on the town. Clark Gregg has stated that this is his favorite text message that he has ever received. Now we know Clark Gregg played Coulson. Right. Uh, who we had had in every single movie up to Avengers. And this was, you know, his, his death uh, movie that united the Avengers. It was the, the little match that needed to be struck. Now we have seen him in the, in the agents of shield show be resurrected through uh, I'm guessing if I remember correctly, Cree type technology, it was like a, a cloned <sighs> arm or something. Uh, I remember I stopped watching after a while. I didn't make it very far at all in that, but I I do remember they did explain it, though. He did a a reoccurrence when they flashed back for Captain Marvel. He was a rookie still. It was young Clark Gregg. That's right. I I think it's time to bring Coulson back. If you resurrected him and he had a happy ending in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., why isn't he back? Yeah, I don't know how things ended for him. They ended well. I mean, yeah. Everybody won. Everything was good. And he got to, quote, unquote, you know, take over S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess, and start rebuilding it. And it soared. At the end, they're going to the sword base in space. So I wouldn't be surprised if some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters start popping up in the movies at the sword base. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Which would be smart. Um, Some other little tidbits here. Reportedly, Iron Man's let's just not come in tomorrow speech was improvised by RDJ, as was doth mutter, no, thou weareth her drapes. Ah, yes. Of course, no wonder he got paid $50 million. With lines like that, come on. Um, Clinch up, Legolas. Yes. In the final end credit scene, Captain America is the only one not eating. That is because... He has a beard. 
Chris Evans got a buzz cut and grew out his beard after the movie was done filming. He was called in later to do this extra scene and couldn't shave off his beard due to filming Snowpiercer. So they gave him a prosthetic jaw. He holds his hand over his face because the prosthetic made him look like he had been attacked by a hive of angry bees. <laughs> and, but you never would have, uh, you never would know. No, no. Magic. Movie magic, children. Um, when filming the scene of Loki yelling at the Hulk, Tom Hiddleston had a rope tied to his leg. And since the Hulk is just CGI, when the rope was pulled, it would appear that the Hulk had grabbed him. Tom knew it was going to be pulled during the speech, but he didn't know when. Nice. So he wouldn't be anticipating it. So all that was uh, genuine, genuine <laughs> moment. <laughs> uh, like that. One last one here. Robert Downey Jr. asked the Marvel production manager permission to take away the letter A that was on Stark Tower with him. But he declined, however, on his next birthday, the manager gave it to him as a gift. So in his house, he had somewhere in his house, he has the A from from Stark Tower. What? Yeah. I assumed that that whole thing was computer generated. Mm -mm. There's an actual physical There's an actual physical A for uh, like, you know, when we went past Studio 23, all the big blue stuff. Yeah. So when they would do close-ups of Stark Tower, it was big blue screen with massive real letters. Mm. So he got he has this big, big AA uh, in his in his house. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, piece of memorabilia to have there. It is. It is. Actually, I did have one more written down. Um, Louis uh, Leterrier wanted Mark Ruffalo for the role of Bruce Banner in The Incredible Hulk before Edward Norton was cast. So if his schedule had worked out, we would not, we would, this would have been Banner's second time as Hulk. Oh, man. Which is why it was so easy for them to go to him when Norton dropped out. Right. Yeah. And he was way better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So those are a few trivial facts that I found. And my digging, the little behind the scenes stuff, you know, we love that stuff here. Um, but yeah, man, let's let's uh, let's talk about the plot a little bit. And, you know, there's, we're not going to go in detail because this movie is 10 years old. If you haven't seen Avengers yet and you're listening to the podcast, I think you're listening to the wrong show. Um, <laughs> you've obviously been living under a rock uh, or a multiverse where Avengers doesn't exist. And you've crossed over and you're causing an incursion. So get out. <laughs> well, we start out at this shield base, right? And we just kick things off right away. Like you said, we start out with our villain. So Loki shows up. He's there to steal the Tesseract because he's promised uh, that he will get to, I guess, subjugate Earth. Yeah. Uh, Thanos is going to send him the Chitari army if he opens up the portal. And that's all he wants, right? Loki wants to be important. He wants to rule people. Um, yeah. So this is his chance. And while he's there, not only is he still the Tesseract, but he also steals Hawkeye and Selvig as well. Curses them with the, his staff. Scepter. And did you know Scepter? Yeah. Did you know that originally they did not have that effect covering the eyes? Originally, 
there was none of that. And then someone was like, yeah, we really need something to show that there's a magical change and adjustment here in them. So they added the eye feature later, which to me is an obvious thing. I don't know why you wouldn't have something like that anyway. So uh, one of my favorite lines of the movie, an ant has no quarrel with a boot. Are you planning to step on us? Uh, that whole Loki Samuel Jackson interaction, it's, both interactions they have, is quality. Stuff. Yeah, I love it. I believe this is our first introduction to my girl Maria Hill. Yeah, second in command uh, under Director Fury, played by the amazing Kobe Smulders. Yeah, I remember we were shocked because we had been watching her and How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Not that we were shocked that she couldn't do it, but it was just kind of like, wow, from Robin and Hemium to freaking Marvel movie. Look at her. I assume we'll see a lot more of her. I'm hoping maybe during Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't done any you know, research to see like what her contract looks like or if she's already slated for anything. Let's go ahead and look into that now just while we're talking about it. Well, I know at the end of phase three, uh, after Spider-Man, actually, because Spider-Man's kind of considered the prologue of Phase 3. There was a lot of restructuring, and Disney is, or I say Disney, Marvel's Disney is not um, doing long, you know, you're slated for 12 films. They're not doing it like that anymore. They're doing it at as long as the story is told. She is slated to be in Secret Invasion. Sweet. Which I, I anticipated that she would be. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Things are looking hopeless. Loki destroys the base, takes off with the, the cube and Hawkeye and Selvig. What are we going to do now, Fury? I guess we're going to call in the big guns. We're going to call Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So he activates the Avengers Initiative, and then we go through the process, you know, act one of the story, gathering our team. Mm-hmm. So let's think we get Romanoff. She's tied up doing her mission with the yeah. Russian dudes. They call her. Hey, we need you to get the big guy. She goes and gets Bruce, who's been on the run since we saw him in the Incredible Hulk movie. And they convince him to come along and help out. Now they convince him by saying, we don't need the monster. We just need your help finding this gamma radiation right. that the Tesseract gives off. Exactly. So that's sort of his role within the group. But obviously it doesn't hurt that they got the Hulk on their side now. <laughs> yeah. uh, then, of course, Captain America, his, he's the muscle, so he's there to actually retrieve the Tesseract. Go and find Loki and get it back from him. Uh, we call in Tony Stark because he's also a smart guy. We need him to check Selva's research, plus Selvig is gone now, so somebody's got to take over yeah. tracking this thing and trying to understand how it works. And then we don't call Thor in. He just kind of shows up to take Loki back to Asgard. That's one of my favorite lines. Are you afraid of a little uh, lightning? I'm not, I'm overly, not overly fond, fond of what, what follows. follows. Right. I love that. So that's when we get uh Thor versus Tony. Mm-hmm. And we get Cap versus. Ah, uh, Cap interrupts. Yeah. 
not really a versus. He just puts his hammer down on the shield. They play around with that whole thing where, like, the Thor's lightning uh, yeah. enhances the suit. Oh, power it 300% or whatever. Yeah. There's another time, uh, maybe Infinity War or something, I'm not sure, where they play with that like it's intentional. Hey, here you go. Here's an extra boost. So that's, like, the first time they use that trick. Mm-hmm. I love just how there's – throughout the history of the MCU, we have so many showdowns. Yes. Just between the heroes, like yeah. Thor versus Hulk and Iron Man versus Thor and, and all that. So Hulk many matches. chasing Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Fighting, <laughs> having a wrestling match with Thor on the helicarrier. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of the helicarrier, we, we get Loki back, take him to the helicarrier, second act of the movie already, and... Thing, tensions are rising right we're arguing over this tesseract what are we going to do with it how do we handle it they find out that shield is building these weapons that's what phase two is that's mm-hmm. it's sending out these weapons and they're arguing about it because it's like okay we don't want these here we, we weapons are bad obviously and then samuel jackson or nick fury i should say is like listen yeah you're right except for the fact that last year this dude thor showed up followed by this big robot thing and you know, just a small destroyer town. leveled the whole town right so he what is he says we're hopelessly hilariously outnumbered yeah. yeah yeah absolutely we are so sort of changes things and when you're nick fury and you're tasked with basically the protection of the entire world more or less you got to do what you got to do so he stands firm in that he's 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 uh defending that choice and so they're arguing, arguing, tensions rising, and now it's the perfect time for Loki's agents to arrive, and they strike. We are – I want to go back to something that happens in Act 1. Oh, okay. That might possibly be my second favorite moment of the movie. Now, obviously, my first favorite moment we'll talk about. I know what it is. It's yeah. yeah. Um, it's when he's in Stuttgart. And Loki's given this speech about weren't you, you were made to kneel. This is your natural state, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that old man stands up and he says, uh, not to men like you. There's always men like And he's like, there are no others like me. And he's like, there are always men like you. And it's just so powerful because this is Stuttgart. This is Germany. This is this, this is the heart of where, the right came to power during world war two and, and an entire race was almost wiped off the planet. And this fella being an older gentleman, you know, he might not have been there directly for that, but he definitely was around for the repercussions time after that. So this is a man who's lived and seen all of this stuff. So that moment is always to me, I'm just like, cause it's powerful. When he just stands up and he's like, no, there's always going to be someone wanting to subjugate us and I will not kneel. As long as there's someone willing to stand up when being asked to kneel, there's always hope to dampen out the darkness, basically. Uh, but back to act two. This is where all, all hell breaks loose. Um, I love the the scenes, the dialogue moments with, uh, and we don't talk about this enough. We talk about Cap picking up the hammer 
in right. in game. We talk about you know moments of create in in Infinity War when Thor gets his Stormbreaker. We talk. This is a moment that's not talked about enough. Black Widow, through sheer just skill and speechcraft, outwits the god of mischief to give up his plan just by talking to him. She, she played him. She doesn't beat it out of him. There's no brute force. She's just like repartee, like sharp. She's so good at what she does that she got the god of mischief to get so arrogant to give her his plan. And she just snaps back from her acting and goes, oh, so Hulk. Yeah, that's your- acting. Acting all fearful of him. Oh my gosh, you monster, you monster, right? And he loves that. He's eating mm. that up. So it makes him feel so comfortable and so cocky, like you said. And then the look on his face. What? How did you figure <laughs> that out? Brilliant moment. So poor Black Widow, man. She went through it on that helicare. She had the encounter with Loki. Then she gets chased by the Hulk. Then she's got to fight her best friend, which fortunately she wins. She Bonks him on the head. <laughs> Wake up. Interesting how a, a bump on the head can beat that ancient yeah. magic. <laughs> and at the truth. Uh, yeah, arrival of the Hulk. He falls down there and gets all crazy. He has his little fight with Thor. Everybody's fighting. It's just fighting nonstop. Cap and Iron Man almost got into it again. You know, take that suit off. What are you? Billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the, the most important moment of, of this act, the death of Coulson. Ugh. Yeah, that I one hated hurt it. a little bit. That one hurt. Because this was the guy who threw out the movies leading up was that little pawn slowly yeah. getting the team. They And they made it perfect, like, of course, he's the one that they have to avenge because he's like the Avengers super fan or, well, he's the Captain America super fan, but he's the one who's like really trying to put this crew together mm-hmm. and um, him fanboying over Captain America made it that much more, you know, sad. He and never and got his cards signed. He throws those bloody cards out. Those were fake, though, weren't they? They weren't fake. Where thought- Fury found them were fake. Ah, uh, that's it. Yeah, he told him. Uh, I found these in Coulson's pocket. Uh, guess you never got around to signing them when really they were in his locker. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Kind of a cold freaking move, right after his death. But as when as Fury says, they needed to push. When you're Nick Fury, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so the team is scattered, broken, defeated. Hulk has been thrown out of the helicarrier. No, not Hulk. Was that did he fall out of the yeah. helicarrier thing? Yeah. Now, and Thor, he, la- he landed. Thor was in the Hulk's prison and falling. Hulk got blasted away. Yeah, he was on the airplane, right? Yeah. 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 And so he lands but but nude, but buck ass nude. But naked. That guy, by the way, uh that janitor fella, son, you've got a condition. Do you know who that is? Uh, I know he played he Harry was, Dean Stanton. He's in an episode of Supernatural. I can tell you that much. Oh, of course he was. I was in three episodes of Supernatural myself. Everybody's been in Supernatural. Shut up. Uh, but Harry Dean Stanton 
was actually he says uh something about are you some kind of alien he was in the movie alien oh yeah he was yeah yeah he was. i think that's the little nod to that you got a condition uh and the battle of uh new york now is about to begin starting with you know he's i guess loki's letting everybody in and tony arrives at the tower and has his little meeting with him uh he's so slick too like you notice that when he walks in, they're on opposite sides of the tower, you know, and they make eye contact. It's like, all right, let's go meet in the middle. And Tony is sure to, like, hide behind stuff, walk behind the bar so that Loki can't see his wrist that he's going to put the, the little, cuffs on. A little sleight of hand over here pouring himself a drink. He and was like, you want a drink? <laughs> like offering him a drink. And then that's the, you know, I have an army. We have a hawk. We might not be able to save the Earth, but we will avenge it. Is that yeah. what he says? I'm damn Something sure we're like going to avenge it. And that's the first time we see him doing the calling the parts mm-hmm. of the suit to him. And isn't it so weird now going back to the old MCU movies and seeing him actually have to pick up his helmet and put it on when we got used to the instance, like the what nanotech. Are yeah, the nanotech. Uh, it's always weird for me. Like, no, Tony, come on. You know so much more than it's this. It's so old and clunky. <laughs> now it's just a part of him. So this battle gets started, and we get that epic moment. I know that's the one we were talking about. We both love that. Everybody loves that moment. The camera circling around each one of them, playing the music. Da, 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 da. Chills, goose pimples. I still to this day get absolutely. Even in Endgame, when they flashed back to 2012, when they go back in time to 2012, and that's the moment that we see. Even then, I was like, "Oh, there's that moment. Why did they do that to me?" Uh, Yeah, that's that's one of the top moments of the entire franchise. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. Uh, Funko did a whole line. It was an Amazon exclusive line of these deluxe pops and it's that moment and so you i've got all six of them but if you take them out of the box which i don't do they actually connect together and make that circle oh it's very cool yeah that's awesome that is i was i was very tempted to take them out of the box just because of that but so in the battle of new york we, we get a lot of great fight moments. We get them really coming into their own. We get, we get some really cool moments that are very a la Ultimate Alliance tag team moves, uh, especially when Thor and Cap do the thing on the shield again to cause uh-huh. a, that's straight out of Ultimate Alliance. You can do as Cap and Thor. Um, uh, Cap lifting Natasha up on the shield. Mm-hmm. That's not in the games or anything, but you know, a lot of tandem moves, a lot of tag team stuff that uh that is great in 
team-based fighting, uh, especially when you're uh, watching comic book movies and this kind of stuff. Um, we get the... Also, I mean, there's just there's something about this. It's up there in my mind. Where it's almost perfect, like Iron Man or Princess Bride, or you know, it's it's almost perfect. Um, just going back and looking, breaking it down into acts and quotability and moments and character development and all that stuff. This is an almost perfect movie again in the MCU. Um, when Banner changes into the Hulk and he's like you might want to suit up, you know, you, you get to learn my secret. And he's like, what's your secret? And he's like, I'm always angry. Yeah. Just <laughs> awesome. But moment. I, and I'm, I might've missed this, but why is it that on the helicarrier, the Hulk was so angry at Natasha and all them. And he went running after Natasha and chasing her through the helicarrier. But now suddenly Hulk has decided it's okay to team up with these guys. And take I, orders from Cap. I think that in the helicarrier, that reaction was very much, you promised me this wouldn't happen. I wouldn't be in a dangerous moment. I was supposed to be safe. You and, didn't, said you didn't need the Hulk, and now I'm pissed. And how He's long mad. since the Hulk had emerged, yeah. too? So, Like, his okay. guard was down when that explosion happened. And that set off, like, ooh, a, a loophole. There's a window open. I'm coming through and I'm wrecking hell. So I, I love that moment. I love I'm bringing the party to you guys. I don't see how that's a party. I do that now. That line, I say it like if I'm playing multiplayer video games or something and I'm being chased. Like when we play, when me, Jess and Logan play uh, the most recent zombie game, uh, Back for Blood, like I'll be off of my own doing something and this horde will be following me and I'll start running towards Logan and Jess and I'll just go like, I'm bringing the party to you guys. <laughs> uh, anytime, no matter what game we're playing, I'll, I usually quote that. Uh, just a lot of great moments. And I uh, love, I, I love when Cap and the police officer have, have that interaction. <laughs> Why wow, should I take orders from you? And then he beats the crap out of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah give this guy what he wants. Yeah. Uh, so here's one for you. When, Tony does the thing where he's like, oh, you know, the story of Jonah and the whale and flies into the mouth of the of the creature. We talk so much about how Tony is the most arrogant, self-centered person probably in the entire universe. But yet he's always the one making the sacrifice. It's really not so unbelievable that he was the one who did the snap, considering he did this in Avengers one where he's flying the nuke up, up through the portal. But even before that flying into the mouth of this monster, this is an alien creature, right? Mm -hmm. Tony's never had any experience with this before. How does he know what the insides of that thing's like? How does he know that it's, it's going to be okay to fly in there? How does he know that his bombs are going to work inside that creature? I feel like faith. that was not Blind faith. Yeah, maybe so. Or arrogance, arrogance. But it worked have, out. Have, have you ever thought that maybe we just accuse Tony has been accused for how long now since he debuted of being arrogant when it could just be a boundless optimism? <laughs> like, he's pretty. He's pretty arrogant. He's arrogant, but like I don't. I don't like being handed things. I don't like being. I love that. 
why does he feel to you? <laughs> his first name is Agent. Like I, I his one-liners alone, man. Oh yeah, I'm not in. He, I'm he steals the sh- he steals the show for me. In most of the movies, I'm a huge fan of how you uh, turn into a giant green rage monster. What does he say? Like, what, what, what's your secret? How do you control it? Big bag of weed or something like that? <laughs> he says, uh, it's Pilates. <laughs> it's like calisthenics. You need to stretch <laughs> your stuff, big man. <laughs> oh, RDJ. I miss Tony. Oh, I do too, man. I do too. So, I mean, it's a great moment. We even get a moment of possibility when Thor's talking to Loki and he's like, look around you. This isn't, you know, and Loki just, there's this look of like, oh, what have I done? What have I done? But we are, we are kind of past the point that now might as well go with it. A lot of Loki, if you watch him now, after the show, if you go back and watch Loki stuff, when he finally breaks down on Morbius and he's like, mm-hmm. I don't like killing people. Yeah. It's just. I have to. It's a necessity. You have to to get things done sometimes. So like, because technically that Loki is about to disappear when you bring in Endgame and become the Loki of. Well, but wouldn't it be that technically that Loki, that Loki's the one that dies? Yes, that, that, that Loki is, but chokes out. But like. Just like going another from this Loki, another version of that Loki. Yeah, another version of that Loki is a hero Same now. Same one, yeah, the one that we have. Um, I, I just, it's just this movie is great, man. The action, the sacrifice that Tony makes when he's like unconscious, and the Hulk just kind of goes ah, like scares him back to consciousness. And the poor Avengers, it's like, it's just one thing after the other. You know, the aliens, Loki, blah, blah, blah. And now our own people are about to nuke us, and we got to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely the World Security Council, not nice guys. I guess in their minds, they're justified in what they're doing. But this just shows, like, the Avengers are, you know, they have the heart. They they have the humanity. World Security Council does not. Mm -mm. Um, Even, oh, man, that moment with um not i keep wanting to say vision it's not vision it's jarvis when he has enough empathy and, and humanity as just an ai to be like oh should we call pepper shall i call miss potts and he pops her picture up and i'd say it's no secret that that sort of reflects captain america making the sacrifice flying the plane into the ocean staring at that picture of Peggy. Yeah. Same yeah. thing here with Tony. Beautiful. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. As I said, it changed the game for all of us. Mm-hmm. This one will forever hold a very special place in my heart for many, many reasons. But yeah, this one will be uh, one of my favorites forever. And I can't imagine anything can bump it out of its top five uh, place. Yeah, uh, in the MCU for me too. Any last thoughts? Did uh, find out that there's a. I think it's when Fury hands Cap that file about the Avengers Initiative. I guess somewhere on there, 
if you go back and look, Mephisto is mentioned in one of the documents that he's looking at. And I think what people have said was that there was some idea that they were going to do something with Mephisto down the line and they scrapped it, but they threw that little Easter egg in there just in case. Interesting. Wasn't really meant to be a very noticeable thing, I don't think, but I just happened to, you know, catch that and, and think a lot about it since there was just recently that Mephisto talk about WandaVision, everybody's Mephisto. <laughs> so. Yeah. <clears throat> I still just personally think, man, I don't think we can dive heavily into Mephisto in the MCU because MCU does such successful uh, money making in the Asian continents and communities, and they do not do American demons or now Shang-Chi was fine because it was their culture. Yeah, that's you know, what they say. That's kind of like their demons they're allowed to talk about and do. But the minute we bring in, you know, Western religion, they're like, nope. So I guess uh, I would imagine we probably won't get Mephisto. I guess Ghost Rider didn't release over there all those years ago. It they tried to release it. It did not do well. Let's see. Release, Ghost Rider released in China June 3rd, 2007, and it made 3 million, 3.7 million. Yeah, it's not super impressive for us. No, not for the country as big as China. Look but, at look at in-game China numbers real okay, quick. And okay. Let's compare those. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Let's see how something else does. <laughs> Uh, China box office for Avengers Endgame, six hundred and twenty-nine million, <laughs> compared so, to three yeah. million for Ghost Rider. We may be on to something here yeah. now. But to be fair, to be fair, Endgame was yeah. after ten years of buildup. Ghost Rider was just a one-off. Yeah, so that could also be a factor. It could, possibly. But they've been pretty outspoken about Western cultures, religion, whether it's farcical, whether it's it does, they just don't do it, especially yeah. demons. Um, you know, not to sound disrespectful, a demon locked in a mountain guarded by weird lion creatures and stuff in an ancient valley for Shang-Chi, that's fine. But you bring in Mephisto... And everyone loses their minds. Oh, well, to each their own. Yes, to each That's their okay. own. That's we'll, okay. We'll, we'll just save the Mephisto for us. More for us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just keep uh, Peter Fonda for us. Exactly. Well, man, I've enjoyed this. Uh, it's been fantastic. I love, uh, I love doing episodes with you, but I love our celebratory episodes when we get to like go back. Like five years later, 10 years later, when we're doing anniversaries and revisiting stuff because the recollection, like it starts bringing up memories and stuff of like, oh, yeah, you know, feelings. And this was just this like if I could go back and tell, you know, 23 year old Tyler, you have no idea. Oh, yeah. We what thought you that started. <laughs> we thought that was the top. Like you yeah. can't get anything bigger and better than this. There's no way. 
and that's yeah. laughable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, son, buckle up. Absolutely. And I would probably say, start the podcast now. <laughs> start it now. Imagine if we had. You're going to have a ton of content over the next 10 years. We'd probably uh-uh. be millionaires by now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Easy. Easily millionaires. I just assume that 10 years from now, I'll be a multimillionaire. So it's okay. I can promise to send all the Avengers kids to school. I'll pay for their school. I'll pay for their education because I know I'll be a millionaire brother. Is this Juice's Tots? Yeah. <laughs> Josh Tots. Josh yeah. Tots. JD's Tots. JD's Tots. Doc, Doc's Tots. Doc's Tots. Ooh. I hate this because now I'm thinking of the episode. I hate every bit of this. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I think we let's just take tomorrow, okay? Yeah, let's, let's just, just take tomorrow. Take tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll enjoy some shawarma, celebrate our win. Yeah. Now. Celebrate 10 years of Avengers with some shawarma and a day mm. off. How is that? Sounds great because next week we're going to be celebrating – 20 years of old web have old webhead himself old toby mcguire spider-man yeah coming off the heels of our recent uh, dr strange talks and the movie coming out more sam raimi talk for us with the uh, spider-man and this again like as special as avengers is this one too man 20 years ago Spider-Man, the first, you know, huge major comic book film that I was just like, oh, this is the most amazing thing ever for me. X-Men. The others that. Yeah, but I wasn't as into X-Men as I was Spider-Man. I'm not saying it came first, but I will say I saw Spider-Man first. Did you? I did. Yeah. I didn't see X-Men for a while. Wow. I mean, I don't hold that against you. You're you're a Spidey Uh, guy. Not until high school, at least. Interesting. It was interesting because I was such a big fan of the cartoons. So I don't know what I was waiting on. Maybe Uh, you were already like, they shouldn't do this live action. Absolutely not. The cartoon was so perfect. Wow. Because, you know, that's that's how you are. That was such a good impression. And what reality is that? (laughs) What what earth are you on right now? What dimension are you in? Or multiverse or whatever. It's an odd number, so you'll hate it. No, that is true. You got me on that one. Oh, brother. Get some rest. Get to feeling better. All right, nerds and nerdettes, that's it for us. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Avengers. Does it still hold up today? Uh, we're excited to talk. By the way, about... the answer is yes. Yes. We're looking to to receive your yes emails from you uh and if you have any no's or any hate send that to at nerdy jd1 on twitter uh and let the doctor prescribe you some positivity and uh we will uh talk to you all later stay kind to one another be safe be kind to yourself and cheers to you nerds and assemble you've been listening to the 30 and nerdy podcast brought to you by advertising expressions on core theatrical company Tennessee Legend Distillery and the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. 
30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production, founder of the Council of Nerds. Survive the apocalypse by finding 30 and Nerdy Podcast along with other amazing shows at podchaser.com. Looking for more on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast? Check out the website, 30andnerdypodcast.com. There you'll find our directory. We're on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere in between. To leave a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com slash 30andnerdypod, or you can leave an email, 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Until next time, nerd up or shut up. Cheers to you, nerds. I don't